What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Undrafted Sports Podcast. I am Dan, and I am joined with all the regulars, CG, Sean, and Damon, and we are going to do a NBA Draft Mock 1.0 today. I don't know why I said 1.0, because there's only going to be one, because it's Tuesday night, and the draft's in 30 God, I can't hours. fucking wait. Uh, 40, 48 <laughs> hours, sorry. Um, CG can't wait. Um, so this is kind of going to be our first edition of our totality of our NBA offseason pod, podcast series that we're going to do. Um, so basically how we've done this is we have four guys. Obviously, there's 30 teams, so we had to split them up. Uh, they're not even, but a few of us have eight. But like I have eight teams. Damon will have seven. CG will have eight. Sean will have seven. And that's basically how we're going to do this is we did this by a draft and we did a snake draft and pick all of our teams. So the teams that we pick will be the teams that we select tonight for the mock draft that we do. And we're also going to take those teams and explain the off season and we'll get through that uh, in a few weeks. But um, for now we're going to do the NBA mock and we will obviously start with the Phoenix Suns, and I believe that will be Damon. That is me. Thank you, sir. Suns first overall pick. Uh, I think it sets up really nice for them. NBA draft, you really don't draft for need. You, you truly try to go with best player available. It just so happens the two clear-cut best players in this draft happen to be their two biggest needs, uh, playmaking point guard to go alongside with Devin Booker, and then uh, anchor at center. Um you know, the, the Suns have had a lot of recent failures trying to draft big men. Um, Alex Lynn, Marquise Chris, Bender as well. So with this selection, I went with the the physical upside. DeAndre Ayton, number one overall. I mean, he's just, he's got stuff you can't teach. You know, the height, solid build, uh, athleticism out of this world. So um, I think he would be a really nice pairing to go along with uh, the core that they've built with Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, and then of course, Devin Booker. So if gallery, I was going to say, if we hear any other name other than Aiton on Thursday night, are we all jumping up and holy shitting? Oh, hell yeah. Taking a shot I, too. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> that the Doncic pick because their head coach is his, used to be his coach or his international coach. Yeah. It's for Slovenia, not that Croatia, like for all eaten. you people out there who think it's Croatia. Yeah. I'm on the clock with the Sacramento Kings. Um, there's no trades in this. I think the Kings could really get a nice trade trade back and get a first-round pick next year, which they really need because they don't have theirs anymore. The Celtics have that. I can see the Bulls coming up, but since we're not trading – I'm going to go with, in my opinion, who the best player in the draft is, and it's Luka Doncic. Um, he's 6'8", 228 pounds. He has a size. His playmaking ability is terrific. I mean, that's he's best with the ball in his hands. He's got the pick and roll. He can play off the ball, spot up and shoot. His passing is elite. And then to be 19, to pass the ball the way he does, I mean, it's somewhat like uh, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball, but I, I – Probably give Doncic the edge in the in the passing area over Ball at this time and age. Um, he can play in the post. I mean, this guy's awesome. I think he'll struggle versus athletic wings early on, but he'll figure it out as he goes on. He's just so crafty and smooth. 
And then I think he'll struggle against finishing in against length early on, but he'll figure it out. He's supreme talent, and uh, Sacramento will be getting a huge pickup if they get Doncic here. I really don't like the fit because then you're pretty much taking De'Aaron Fox out of the game because he needs the ball in his hands to be effective. He can't he can't shoot. He needs to push it up the floor and create and finish in transition. Watch it. <laughs> All right. Well, I put the Atlanta Hawks on the board. Uh, they have three picks in this first round. Um, I definitely expect them to move at least one, probably two. But I think they're going to stand pat here. From all the rumors that we hear, it seems like Doncic is probably going to fall to them. Uh, and there was a report tonight that Woj said that they were keying in on him. So that, that would be a great fit, obviously. I think I agree with Colin that he's the best player in this draft. And so we, they would probably jump at the opportunity to take him. But with him being off the board, they have their bigs are awful. Let's just put it that way. Miles Plumley, Deadman, Muscala. Uh, I like John Collins. He's still kind of young. So I think with the talent that they have and for the bigs here, you have a, a really good choice. You, I don't think you can go wrong with Jaron Jackson or Marvin Bagley. I like both of these guys a lot. But I'm going to pick Marvin Bagley for them. Uh, he just... I don't know what, what I like about him more than Jaron Jackson. I don't think that there is anything, but I think Bagley's a good fit for them. Uh, he can shoot the ball. In the, you know, We saw a very small sample size of it, but he shot 40%. Quick first step. He's a, a decent rim protector and you know blindside blocking, that kind of stuff. I, this, again, if he can develop and maintain his three, that, that's a game changer for him. Uh, he's going to have to work on that you know, only shooting I think 35 or, th- or 40 uh, threes this season but he did shoot 40 percent so he's not great one-on-one defensively he's better at a help side defender but for for Bagley for the Hawks they need to improve their bigs I don't know that even Deadman and Muscala will opt into their contract so they might be down those two anyway so the Hawks will take uh, Marvin Bagley at number three all right I'm back up on the clock with the Memphis Grizzlies and the holy shit what a roster uh, I mean, Chris Wallace has got his fucking hands full. How is he still employed? Uh, paying Mark, paying Marcus who's who's good. Mike Conley can't stay on the floor. Then you have the atrocious Chandler Parsons contract, who they'll be paying for the next two years, twenty five million dollars. But then they got a lot of guys coming off the books. They still have Jamichael Green, who. It's good here and there. You know, he gives them good time. He's a good serviceable player. Now, this is a tough one for me because I really, really like Jaron Jackson and I like Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to pick Michael Porter Jr. in the sense that he has the potential and the talent to be the best player in the draft if he can stay healthy and he evolves like he can be. Um, He has the, the back injury and is very concerning. But, I mean, when you got a guy that's 6'10", who's 215, 215 pounds, and is strong, and he just has that body as a 19-year-old and the way he moves and how athletic he is, and he has a sweet shooting stroke. There's a lot, a lot of upside with Michael Porter Jr., and uh, I think he can really be that score and that outside threat that the Grizzlies have been looking for for years. So my pick at number four is Michael Porter Jr. from Missouri. All right, Dallas is on the clock next. Um... Really, really like the way the board's falling here. Lately, there's been some buzz about Luka Doncic falling to five or Dallas trading up for Luka Doncic. Um, I'm not sure how accurate that is. 
according to some stuff that I've seen, uh, that report was a little bit blown out of proportion. So I'm not sure Luke is going to be something that Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban are going to try to tackle and go get. But obviously, if he falls into a, a spot where they feel like they can be you know, really aggressive to go get them, they will. But I don't think they're going to give up the house to do so. But just the way the board's falling, I'm going to take Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, the, the forward for Michigan State. He's 6'11 and a fourth, 236. He's got over a 7'5 inch wingspan. I mean, this guy's going to be able to guard guards. He's going to be able to guard big men. Um, I think he's probably the best fit for the modern NBA maybe right there next to Porter, just the way that they can stretch and handle the ball. Uh, Porter's obviously much better at handling than Jackson, but Jackson's one of, if not the best defensive players in this draft. He had, like, I think his per 36 block rate was, like, over four blocks a game. So it's something that Mavericks have, that desperately need. Um, they haven't really had a, you know, a wing defender that can switch and, and guard multiple positions and God, maybe ever. So uh, I think this is uh, a really good fit. I think that Jackson has a very, very high ceiling. Uh, he's only 18, so he, he, he's got a lot of a lot of room to grow, and, and um, he'd be a good fit in that roster. Just to add to what you said, um, I have the stats pulled up. He averaged five and a half blocks per 40. Wow. Five and a half mm-hmm. per 40. That's incredible. So I also have Orlando, who's picking six. Uh, and this one's going to be tough for me. I, I don't think... Come Thursday, that Mo Bamba will be available here. I, I personally don't think he's going to fall past Dallas. But you also have a team who has struggled to even put fans in the stands at this point. I mean, they've been in the lottery, God, I don't even know how many times in a row. Just what, Even if they hit on a draft pick, they trade him away. I mean, we're talking about Tobias Harris, Victor Oladipo, and then they drafted Iford Payton, who they thought was going to be you know, the next big thing. Turns out, point guards who can't shoot aren't worth a shit. Traded him for two second-round picks. <laughs> they also had... They gave the big contact to Bismack Biombo, who's got another two years for $17 million fucking dollars. So that's on, on the books. Um, they traded for Serge Ibaka. They got rid of Terrence Ross. The Jeff Green... I mean, at one point, they had like seven power forwards on their team that were starters. I, I don't know what this franchise is doing. I'm not really sure what direction they're even thinking about going here. But I'd like to put some juice into that roster and put some fans in the stands. You draft this guy. You give him the keys. You let him do his thing. You know, he grows into, you know, maybe he could grow into something really big. Uh, we've seen it before. But I'm going to take... The point guard from Oklahoma, Trey Young, at number six. Love it. Love it. He's got a lot of versatility. I mean, he he can pass. He averaged 27 points a game last year in the Big 12, which isn't the greatest conference ever, but he's not playing against slouches. I think he was ranked in the upper 20s in the recruiting class, so it was a little bit of a surprise, and he came on super hot early. Um, Obviously, the Steph Curry – comparisons are there i'm not saying he's going to turn into that but he's he's exciting people will definitely tune in to see him but i think that he needs to be the focal point in offense to be as effective as he can be maybe he can turn into an off the ball player i'm not sure but his defense is absolutely atrocious so if he doesn't have the ball in his hands and he's not creating for you at that point you may be talking about a negative asset unless he can just really pick his defense up and decide he wants to play off the ball but 
you know, with the way Orlando develops all their players and trades them away, he might, he might be in a good spot. He'll be on the Knicks in four years. <laughs> One thing I do love about Trey Young, and I think is very underrated because everybody sees the the shooting from deep and shit, and they relate him to Steph Curry. But like you just you said it, his passing like. He's not just one dimensional man. Like he's really good off the pick and roll, and he he's a really really good passer. Yeah, yeah. Homer's averaged nine assists a game in college. Like he's not passing to pros. He's passing to his teammates at Oklahoma, who were not very good. He struggled a bit with turnovers, but I mean, twenty seven point four points per game and eight point seven assists in college is, in I mean, it's video game numbers. All right, I'm on the clock with the Chicago Bulls, and. I'm glad you took Trey Young, uh, Orlando Magic, because that would have been a tough one for me to pass on just because, like you said, star power and possibly team him up with Zach Levine. But anyways, he's off the board. And if Mo Bamba falls to the Chicago Bulls, I see them sprinting to the uh, podium. Um, Mo Bamba, he could go second to the Kings. He could fall to the Knicks. Who knows? But Mo Bamba's been all over the place since the start of the uh, draft lottery and just all this stuff. And I think the Bulls have somebody fell right into their hands. He's seven foot, has a hell of a wingspan. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. Supposedly, he's been working on a shooting stroke. He averaged 3.6 blocks per game. He, he has the talent and potential to eventually stretch out and then you pair him up with Lori Markkinen and then pretty sure they're going to bring back Zach Levine. So you got three explosive guys there, your backbone and those three core guys, and you just got to fill around them. Of course, they got to come off a fucking Omar Ashik's contract. They're losing Robin Lopez after next year. So it kind of fell out after that. They also are paying Cristiano Felicio $8 million for the next three years. So there's that. But, um... (laughs) Mo Bamba to the Bulls. All right, and that brings up Cleveland at eight. So this was the Brooklyn pick that they got in the Kyrie Irving trade that sent Isaiah Thomas and the Brooklyn pick to Cleveland, which has not panned out too well for them. Um, So I think this pick's going to get traded. With just the way that... Cleveland's run their organization, especially Colby Altman at the trade deadline with the big trades that he was pulling off. I mean, at this point, I think they have two options. You either go all in and go try to get LeBron people to convince him to stay, or you just say, F it, we're going to go build for the future and you know draft the guy who's highest on your board and, and roll that way. But just like I said, based upon what we have seen before, I mean – it, it seems like that they're going to try to go all out to try to get LeBron to stay. So I have a few players who I who I look at, and basically to make the decision, I'm just looking at them and saying, hey, which, which one of these guys does LeBron like the best? Which one will fit best with him? Which will fit best within the roster? Because that roster will look totally different if he's staying. Because if it looks even close to the same, he will not be back. I look at two spots. And I know Wendell Carter's here, but I just I don't think he moves the needle. So I'm either looking to replace the point guard spot or I need more wings because wing was a really, really big spot that they just they couldn't they couldn't play Jeff Green, Kyle Corver, and J.R. Smith at the same time because the, the defense was just non existent. Um, so with that being said, 
with Colin Sexton very close, I would say that I'm going to take Michael Bridges from Villanova. He's a senior. He's 22 years old, coming out of Villanova. He averaged 17.7 points last year. His effective field goal percentage was 62%. 6-7-200, um, just over a 7-foot wingspan. I mean, he's like 3 and D all day long. Oh, he's a junior, not a senior. I'm sorry. But somebody who at this point is 21, 22 years old, he's going to come in and, you know, he's going to be ready right away. He's going to shoot threes. Uh, he, he made about over a 40% clip last year, and he shot over, I think it was over 200 threes last year. Jalen Brunson won National Player of the Year, but My- Michael Bridges may have been the best player on that team. They won a national championship. So, you know, he's ready for the bright lights, um, and I think – no matter who takes this guy, he's going to help because he is exactly what the league needs. Uh, six, seven shooters who can guard multiple positions, that's 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 what the NBA is going to. So I think either with or without LeBron, this guy helps, but especially with LeBron, he can come in and, and play meaningful minutes in playoff series and, and really be helpful. So you said that you think the Cavs are going to trade that pick. What's some of your uh... – your thoughts, like who do you think they go go after? I mean, it's up in the air, of course, but what would you do? I mean, you got to always go for the big fish. I mean, they, that, that could end up being San Antonio's pick. They'd be going after Kawhi. Um, they could package Kevin Love with somebody. I mean, I have no idea, to be honest. I, I think they're going to want to try to get Paul George, but he's obviously not under contract, so I don't think there's anything you can do with OKC. So I I really don't know. Um, I don't know who they're targeting, but it would have to be a package with someone to get off of salary with that pick to entice somebody to move up and take the salary off their hands so they can really go at changing that Like me up. and you were talking uh, about a, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about it. I don't see how they can trade that pick because they have no commitment from LeBron. So, you know, like – Say Trey Young or Michael Porter fell to him. How can you, you know, trade away that that guy when they could potentially be your future star when you don't have that commitment from LeBron? And then, say you trade it away and LeBron still walks on you, then you're fucked either way. So that sucks because free agency is after the NBA draft. But I guess you got to do what you got to do to try to convince LeBron, like they've always had, like with their trade to the Lakers this season, and try and get Rodney Hood and all that kind of shit. So. Just sucks that you know they got to gamble, not knowing not knowing what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, they've they've shown that they've shown that they're going to be taking risks. I mean, you don't trade away Kyrie Irving without taking a risk. I mean, LeBron's been on a one a one year deal all along, and there was Lakers talk even before they traded Kyrie. And I know Kyrie was a different situation because he kind of asked for the trade, but I mean, they've shown they put their neck out there for that guy, and you know maybe this is just their last ditch effort. And maybe they don't like anybody at eight. I don't know. We don't know how the board's going to fall. Trey Young may be a transcendent guy. I think Trey Young actually would be a guy that LeBron would like, love. Like I think he could. He probably believes in the ever so genius head of LeBron James. That Trey Young's going to come in and be just an absolute superstar right off the bat, just like Shabazz Napier. Yeah, I was, was. just about to ask. So, is, he, is he better than Shabazz though? That was that was my thought. His love for yeah. Shabazz. Yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, you I just think an angle that they you don't could, ever know, man. I mean, the way the board falls. 
I think an angle uh, to kind of piggyback on what Dan said with trading, using kind of what we've heard with Memphis and trying to dump Parsons, but they don't have to completely trade out of the first round. If they could find someone, you know, the Clippers or the Hawks, someone that has multiple first round picks that wants to come back up or get up into the top 10, you, you stay in the first round, you shed some of this bad contract. You can't worry about if LeBron's coming back or not, because if you do that, I mean, it didn't even work with Shabazz in the heat. They drafted him, he loved him, and he, he left. So you, you have to kind of retool this team with the idea that he's not coming back. And in order to do that, you have to shed some of this money. Now, if Michael Porter's there, that's a different story. But if you're, you know, Bridges or, or Colin Sexton, I think it's worth trading down if you can tread, shed some of uh, Tristan Thompson or somebody that just gets some, rid of some of these contracts so that they can start the rebuild that way because next year if LeBron leaves they're gonna have a top lottery pick anyway so you're gonna build for the future that way but you also will be rid of some of these crazy high contracts Alrighty, ready for the Knicks so the Knicks I think you know this kind of sucks the way the board fell for them they really need some size on the wings uh you know Tim Hardaway Courtney Lee are you know both kind of undersized uh Guards, small, uh, small forward types. Uh, they could use a point guard really, really bad. I was really hoping Trey Young would fall here. Michael Porter Jr. would have been a perfect fit. Uh, Mikael Bridges would have been nice. Uh, the guys left on the board, Miles Bridges would make some sense here. But I, I just think at this point, Wendell Carter is too good to pass on. Enos Kanter declined his player option, so there's a void there at that position. I know they have Joe Kim Noah, and he's making a lot of money over the next two years, but you know Wendell Carter could be a nice compliment, a little inside-outside with uh, Porzingis. I think we said it about Bagley as well. Wendell Carter shot 41% from three. Granted, he only shot 46 of them throughout the season, but you know he's shown that you know he could extend his jump shot out a little bit. He's a really, really good rebounder. He got kind of overshadowed by Bagley's big games. You know, Bagley was putting up just ridiculous numbers, but Wendell Carter had nine rebounds a game in and of itself. So, you know, he's tall, he's long, um, not the most athletic type of guy, but you know he has that ability that teams look forward to you know, switch on pick and rolls and not be a complete liability. You know, he's still going to get beat off the dribble, you know, by some of your quicker guys. But, you know, it's not like the traffic cone situation that we see with some of the guys. You know, he can move his feet and stay in front, you know, at least momentarily to give uh, the defense, you know, time to, to recover. So I think, you know, at this point, ninth overall, uh, Wendell Carter is just, you know, best player available. Um May not be flashy like the Trey Young or Michael Porter, but they're gone, so just go with the the highest upside. All right, I have Philly, and that was who I was going to take. So, um, with Philly's roster, this might be another trade just like Cleveland. Never know what Philly's going to do. They've been linked to the Kawhi thing. Now they're going to try to go after Paul George. So I'm not sure if they're going to try to keep this salary on the books or if they're going to try to dump this. I don't know. Maybe they try to get rid of Jerry Bayless's contract um, with, with this pick and maybe move back, like Sean mentioned, with, uh, with Cleveland. I think the most ideal situation would be Michael Bridges, but he's obviously off the board to Cleveland. Um, that would kind of be a Robert Covington replacement since he was – for sure, their weak link in their in their uh, five that they rolled with in the playoffs. 
I'm not really sure what they feel about TJ McConnell, but I really like Colin Sexton here. If they feel, I know I think TJ McConnell has another year on his deal, but getting a backup point guard behind Ben Simmons that can actually shoot is something that I think would add another element to that team. Um, I think Colin Sexton could play off ball. I actually really like him. I'm probably higher on him than most other people are. Um, but I'm going to take Colin Sexton here, a point guard from Alabama. He had a 49.8 effective shooting percentage last year. He averaged 19 points, six one and a half. So he's prototypical point guard. He's a little undersized, but he will play defense, and he is extremely intense. He will bring the intensity on the floor. He brings energy. I think he'll be great off the bench, and especially in a situation like that. And, you know, they could even roll him into the two there at some points. Um, I'm not sure what J.J. Reddick's going to do. I don't know if he's going to go back there. You know, they they got a a whole lot of stuff to figure out um, before July 1st. So we'll see how their roster shakes up. But uh, I really like Colin Sexton here at 10 to Philly. Well, 11 to the Hornets kind of left me scrambling. Colin Sexton was going to be the pick. But, um, you know, I think this pick with the way – Everything is um, shaken out. It it really comes down to the future of Kimba. You know, are they going to try to trade him? Or are they going to move him before the season starts? Um, you know, that was the idea behind picking Colin Sexton. Even if they don't move him before the season starts, you know, a year from now, I just don't see him re-signing with them. So he would, you know, definitely fill in, fill that void that that Kimba would leave. Uh, but a couple options here I uh, mentioned earlier. I, I really like Miles Bridges. Um, I just, you know, with the players that they have in place, I just don't see him being as good of a fit as somebody like a dynamic point guard would be. So I'm going to go with Shea Gilgis Alexander out of Kentucky. Great height and length for the point guard position, 6'6". He needs to, you know, tighten up his, his shooting a little bit. But, you know, he's a playmaker and can get people involved. And I think if they ultimately decide to – move away from Kimba, he could be the successor, or if they decide to keep him, I think he could play alongside of him, you know, really good defensive player, so um, he can help tighten up a little bit what uh, Kimba lacks in that area and maybe be his eventual successor. He needs to eat some fucking cheeseburgers, 6'6", 180 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, the Clippers are really pissed the way that ended up. Two point guards on the board. They need a point guard and both go before them. The Todosevic thing didn't really work out for them. Should have lost more games. Yeah. <laughs> the Todosevic thing really didn't work out for them. Patrick Beverly was hurt most of the year. Um, I think Patrick Beverly has a partial guaranteed contract, so they got to decide if they want to pick that up. Todosevic is, you know, he's got a player option. Uh, they've got so much money tied up right now. Obviously, that changes if DeAndre Jordan opts out, which. I can't imagine he does. I don't think that there's going to be a better contract on the board unless he wants to try to extend for a longer uh, deal. So I think point guard and wings are kind of a need here. I'm obviously missing both point guards. So I think Kevin Knox, who um, is uh, a, a, he played at a big program, Kentucky, obviously they, they made a big run, and he, he was really good for them in the tournament. He shot 34% from, from three. He's a big six nine seven seven and a half foot wingspan. You know, you can kind of rotate him in and out. Uh, I don't know what they're going to get out of Gallinari, who again stays hurt. They have Tobias Harris, but they need to get young. They need to get more athletic on the wings, and I think Kevin Knox can provide that for them. Uh, he's also 
been one of the guys that uh, I think was linked to the the Nuggets who were picking right behind the Clippers. So I think if the yep. way the board falls out, the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Clippers will, uh, you know, take take a not a flyer because he's he's a really good player. But I think they're going to take Kevin Knox here at at number twelve. And they also have number 13, obviously. I should have said at the very beginning of this that I think if the point guards don't aren't here, I think the Clippers are very interested in trying to trade up to get one of those top five or six guys to have 12 and 13 as a uh, trade chip is, is a really good chip to try to get into that top five. Uh, I think another guy here that I like, and I know Colin loves him, and that's who we're going to go because Austin Rivers, just has, he's got a player option. They obviously have Lou Williams, but you could – probably put this kid in he's not the best shooters but he's he's got a good stroke and I think when he's in the league he'll he'll have more opportunities to develop that shot Uh, but he's just a physical kid He, he, he likes to play he's explosive I'm talking about Lonnie Walker out of Miami six foot four but his wingspan is almost 611 uh he's just he's not you know a great ball handler he's got to play off the ball he's not again his shooting isn't knockdown but he, he can stroke it when, when he's open, and he's best off the ball, um, catch and shoot off, off the screens and that sort of thing. So to add more more shooting to a team that doesn't have a ton of it, uh, so the, the Clippers will take Lonnie Walker with 13 as well. Love it. Love it. Hate it that he's a Clipper, but I love Lonnie, Lonnie Walker. I knew you'd like that one. So I'm, I'm with the Nuggets at 14. Uh, both guys I was going to pick just got taken by the stupid fucking Little Brother franchise in L.A. So <laughs> we're having to do a heel turn here. Um, so I was actually pretty high on Miles Bridges, but I've really softened. He's not even 6'7", and he weighs 220 pounds. I'm not sure how he's going to do on defense. I don't – and he's not – a a great score by any means. I mean, he averaged 17 and seven last year, but you know, I, in the NBA, I, he might be a touch slow for me. He's a really thick frame guy. So I'm going to pass on Miles Bridges. So Washington can take him at 15 and do jumping jacks. <laughs> and I'm actually going to take uh, Troy Brown, uh, the shooting guard from Oregon. Uh, he's a defensive guy. Um, he's got a little creation to him. Uh, the main reason for this is, I think Will Barton uh, for Denver had a really underrated role, and I think that he created a lot of the offense that they needed to be created uh, when Jokic uh, was either out of the game or you know maybe they were doubling him or, or whatever down low. But Will Barton is probably their best shot creator off the dribble. Um, I really like Jamal Murray, but Will Barton can play, uh, and they offered him a, an extension not too long ago, and he he declined it, so he may be gone. I'm not sure what their plans are for him, but if he's gone, um, obviously Lonnie Walker would have been my choice uh, to to replace him. And then uh, Kevin Knox would have been good on the wing too. But uh, I'll take Troy Brown, and I think he fit pretty nicely into that role. Uh, it may take him a little bit longer to, to develop because he's only a freshman. He's only 18. But uh, I, think, I think he'd be a really good fit next to Jamal. I really like that. Uh... Yeah. That angle you did too. They need a playmaker off the bench, and Troy Brown brings that, especially with his size, man. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I like Troy Brown. Thanks. All righty, Washington Wizards on the clock. Didn't expect Miles Bridges to be here, but 
you know, I've thought a lot about Miles Bridges uh, and the Wizards, and, you know, the more I think about it, and as much as I love the player, I mean, I've talked about him uh, as high as nine with the Knicks, and here he is, 15. He's just, for me, with Otto and Kelly, and I know Kelly only has one more year left on his deal, but I just don't know where his fit with the team would be, you know, maybe he could take Mike Scott place, you know, coming off the bench as kind of a scoring four. Uh, but yet again, you know, when your franchise player comes out and says, Hey, I want a rim runner. I want an athlete at center. I, I want to get more explosive there. I think a guy like Robert Williams makes a ton of sense. Explosive athlete can go up and get the lob. He, he, I mean, he fits the mold of a DeAndre Jordan click Capella. I mean, he can't shoot free throws, but he's just going to run the pick and roll. And if his man goes off on help defense, just throw it anywhere near the backboard and he's going to, you know, slam it home. So I think that would be a huge addition to a team like Washington. He also adds uh, shot blocking ability, which they haven't had in forever um, since they, uh, got rid of JaVel McGee, so Robert Williams averaged 2.5 blocks per game. You know, he's a double-double waiting to happen, and I, I know it might sound lazy to compare him to DeAndre Jordan, but the parallels are there. He's a little bit shorter, but I think he could fill that that same type of role for them. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of him. Robert yeah. Williams? <laughs> you, could just, you could just have Kenneth Fareed. They would just give you if you, that's what you want. Denver will give them to you. I'll take the 20-year-old. All right. Uh, Sun's on the clock at 16, falling right back up. Uh, A lot of different ways that they could go. I was praying that one of the point guards would fall, but that didn't happen um, between Sexton and uh, Gilgis Alexander. But at the same time, you know, that still is their biggest need. I think there's a couple different ways that they could go. Don't want to reach for need, but you know I think there's a guy who has a ton of upside. They don't really have anybody who can shoot outside of Devin Booker. Their, their three-point shooting wasn't great, um, so to get somebody who could play on or off ball and provide some, you know, stretch the floor a little bit for everybody, um, I think could be you know a huge addition to the team. So they're going to go with the French point guard Ellie Okobo. Probably said that wrong, but shot 41.3% from three last year. You know, he's a scorer. He can take some of the workload off of Devin Booker and and create some offense and scoring opportunities. And I think he would be, you know, a really good fit with what they currently have in place. I like it. I love I like it, Kobo. All right, this was uh, interesting for me. I got the Milwaukee Bucks. They have an interesting roster, some potential there. I don't see them bringing back Jabari Parker. They're paying Matthew Delladova $9 million for the next two years, who is effing terrible. you got Tony Snow, solid. Uh, John Henson, depends on who you ask. Chris Middleton showed out in the playoffs. He's so damn good. And then you got Eric Bledsoe for one meet, uh, one more year at $15 million. I'm kind of on the fence here with two really good shooters uh, with Aaron Holiday or Kevin Herter. And with Eric Bledsoe being 
uh, in his last year of his contract, and you can just throw a spark plug out there like Aaron Holiday, who shot 43% from three, and he's got it in his jeans. You saw his older brother Drew this year get off. Aaron Holiday can fill it up from behind the arc, and he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. Giannis is going to do that work. Uh, Chris Middleton has showed that he has shot creation, and he can he can create. And then I also like Kevin Herter. He is probably the best pure shooter in like off the catch in the class and he's got the size and length over holiday but i'm going to go with holiday because of the upside and you know after next year they're not going to have eric bledsoe so i'm going aaron a holiday here from ucla based on he can just he can be plug and play His defense isn't very good but man he'll, he's going to come off the bench and he he'll be a, a microwave automatic scoring option for for the bucks here i like that pick that brings us to the San Antonio Spurs. A lot of questions going into the offseason with this team. Really don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi. I don't expect anything to happen on Thursday night. I would expect that it'll be business as usual in terms of how they've scouted their players, who they've brought in, <laughs> who they've looked at. She said business as usual. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was funny. Okay. Um, I expect them to have worked out that you done their prep work on who they want to take. They always will be linked to these European kids. Uh, the um, Serbian kid Musa is is one that you know could be a potential here. But with Miles Bridges still on the board, I think it's a no brainer for them. And not that he's going to ever replace Kawhi, but he's a three and D. Uh, he can shoot the ball. I think he shot thirty eight percent from three. He's Really good defensively. He was uh, first team all defense in the Big Ten. He's just a big guy. He's his wingspan and his height, like Dan uh, alluded to earlier, it's not great um, for what what he can play six six and a six nine wingspan. But his ability to um, guard multiple positions, he he might not be able to play. You know the four, the small ball four that most guys would expect for small forward nowadays. And he's not great handling the ball. He's going to have to have somebody create the shots for him. Uh, but I expect him to, you know, in, in the Spurs system, I think he'd be a perfect fit. He, he's a guy that's going to work. He's going to be able to work with Chip England and uh, hopefully develop a shot even more. So I think it's a no-brainer. If Miles Bridges is still there at, at 18, I think the Spurs take him and are very happy with that. Maybe he just gets underrated because the guys that he's – being compared to are just better. Like Michael and Kevin Knox are just better. They have better intangibles. They're better defensively. You could argue they're both better shooters. Maybe he's just since there's three of those like three and D wing guys, he's just he comes in last so he gets yeah, and shit on. He know? honestly looks like a he honestly looks like a Spurs guy, somebody that is undersized, tweener kind of guy. But it just works his ass off. He's solid, and the Spurs pick him up and turn him out to be this. You know, everybody talks about that. Everybody passed on, and he's being playing in clutch moments for him in the playoffs or some shit. I think to, to Dan's point, when as the season kept going on and Jaron Jackson started to emerge as an absolute monster, he kind of took a back seat. And then when you start to compare him, his measurables and everything to those other guys, it, it kind of is, okay, maybe he's not as good as just be, again, it's all system. He, like Kellen said, he could go to the Spurs and thrive, or he could go 
to the Hornets and never do anything. Like it, it's going to depend on where he goes, obviously, and uh, if if he can get to a team where he doesn't have to be the focal point. He's not going to be a guy that's going to get you 25 a game. I think he's going to be a good role player. I think there could be spurts where he becomes, you know, a go-to guy, but it's not going to be an everyday thing. He's not he's not on that level of, of Knox and some of the other guys. So I, I think he's a good player. You know, I think he's worth a lottery pick, honestly, but um, with the way you guys drafted, I, I don't disagree with any of those. So for him to fall to the Spurs, I think, is a, a huge bonus for them. And that puts the Hawks back on the board. Uh, I do not at all expect them to pick at this spot. I think they can do some magic. They have the 30th pick as well and the 34th pick, so they've got a lot of assets to move. Again, you know, they, they are paying Kent Bazemore $18 million. He's he's good at what he does. They're paying Dennis Schroeder $15 million. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what they really, what their game plan is uh, with those kind of guys. They have they're they're committed to him for a while too. There's been rumors that Schroeder, you know, has been talked about in trades. But if they stand pat and they stay here, I'm going to take a guy that Colin mentioned. They need a score, somebody that can shoot it from outside. And uh, Huerta from Maryland, he fits that. Uh, he's not going to be you know a three and D kind of guy. He his wingspan is almost as uh, bad as his height. He's six six. He he can flat out shoot the ball though. Uh, he, he's a guy I think he shot 41% from three in college, and it just kind of exploded in the combine. Um, at the combine, he really put himself on the map. Uh, he's a guy that can guard, but not great. You know, he's he's not going to be, and I don't want to be racist, but he's not going to be Kyle Korver on on the defensive end. But he's he's not going to be, you know, Draymond Green either. So he's a guy if they decide to stay here uh they i think they take they need shooting they need someone to, to put the ball in the bucket i could also see them play in play for musa but uh the hawks will take um Huerta from maryland here at number 19 all righty that brings the minnesota timberwolves up at 20 um i think their two biggest needs are outside shooting and and defense outside of jimmy butler everybody else um as far as starters are pretty bad defensively so I think they could utilize some a defensive jolt to the team and I think Zaire Smith out of Texas Tech he fills one of the needs it would be great to get a really rock solid three and D guy here but Zaire Smith is an uber athlete and has the length to you know guard multiple positions he's not a great shooter he shot 45% last year, but that was only on 40 attempts. So, you know, he, he's not – don't let the numbers lie to you and make you think that he's a, a knockdown shooter. He's more of a defensive specialist. Um, one of the comparisons I saw for him was a shorter Andre Roberson. So take that for what it's worth. But I think he can come off the bench, be a defensive stopper for a team, um, and maybe develop a little bit of a jump shot, work on his mechanics, and, and tighten up his um, shooting form and become a better shooter. I, th- I don't think Zach Levine was considered a – he was a poor shooter coming out of college, and you know he's not a great shooter now, but he's sufficient. So maybe Zaire Smith can kind of follow that lead, follow that role that Zach Levine did. All right, the Utah Jazz are on the clock, and this is a very – Tough pick. There's a lot of guys that are kind of, you know, right there together. Um, they got one more year left with Alec Burks. Who knows? Do y'all think they're going to bring back Exxon next year? 
They'll they'll do the tender for sure. Yes. If somebody offers them a crazy contract, then probably not. So they got they got Exum next year. Then they got Rubio one more one more year. Um, and they got Gobert, of course, forever, and Ingles forever. And then you got their star in Donovan Mitchell. So you know Mitchell. There's your scoring option with your first team, and Ingles really plays the backup point guard role when Rubio goes out. But they they kind of lack scoring when Mitchell comes off the floor. Um, and uh, this, this is a tough one. I'd like to add some you know 3 and D depth because there's some really good 3 and D guys left with Chandler Hutchinson. Um, Zaire Smith just went. Um, Jerome Robinson is a good scoring shooting guard. But a guy that absolutely tore through the NCAA tournament and Dante DiVincenzo and made everybody a fan. Um, this guy, who knows, he could blossom and take over that starting role after next year Rubio if he has a phenomenal year. But I think DiVincenzo is not going to be one of those rookies that's just going to sit the bench all year. I think he is very, very skilled. Uh, he shot over 40% from three. He can score inside and out. His defense, he isn't a liability on defense. He's not a great passer, but he's coming off the bench, and his role is to is to be a playmaker and to create to score. And I think he could he can do that. He's 21 years old, so he's he's not too old. Uh, I really like Dante DiVincenzo, and for him to get picked up here by the Jazz, Chicago Bulls at pick number 22, we're gonna pick Chandler Hutchinson. He's got good scoring. He's got good potential on defense. I like. I like this guy. He could play uh, your three or your two. He could possibly slide. He's got the size to slide down to the four. He's a good three and D guy. I like his potential. Could could develop into a good shooter. He, he shot 36% from three, so he's got that range. And he's got the size to be a good defensive, defensive guy. Okay, I have the, the Pacers next. Make this one pretty simple. Um, Kata Bates-Diop from... Ohio State, the small forward. Um, he's 22 years old, so he kind of fits their timeline. Uh, they're they're trying to win now. Um, they were a game away from beating Cleveland in the first round, so uh, Victor Oladipo really gave that franchise a some oomph. And uh, Miles Turner, he hasn't really developed the way that they wanted him to, but I still think that he's got a ton of potential being a stretch five. Uh, but Thad Young is just not getting it done anymore. He's on his way out anyways, and with uh, Bates Diop at six eight and a half with seven foot three wingspan, uh, I think that he can really be a combo forward who can play multiple positions, defend multiple positions. Uh, I think that he can bring some energy into that lineup, and I think he fits pretty well within their system. So, uh, Kata Bates Diop to the Pacers at number twenty three. All right, 24, we have the Portland Trailblazers. I really think they need to shake it up. They're showing in the playoffs is pretty pathetic. Uh, Lillard and McCollum, you know, they're really, really good players. But to, for me, they're just a little bit too similar. I think they, you know, need to deal one of them. And I, you just can't get rid of Damian Lillard. So I think CJ McCollum would be um, the guy they look to to deal bring in another playmaker in the draft and maybe get somebody out on the wing or uh, another big. Nurkic is a restricted free agent, so uh, he played really well this year, so I don't see them letting him walk. But 
I think a guy, if they do go in the direction of dealing C.J. McCollum or something, Kyrie Thompson out of Creighton, uh, shot 41% from three. Uh, you know, he, he kind of fits the mold for that undersized guard, kind of like C.J., but, you know, he's he's a really good defender, so I think he could, you know, add an element that C.J. doesn't have, uh, maybe doesn't bring the playmaking ability and the individual scoring that C.J. does, but, you know, he can knock down the open jump shot, and then I he can help him. lock That's down the perimeter pick. as well. I really like him as well. All right, Los Angeles Lakers are on the clock. Uh, I'm torn on what to do. Uh uh, as a fan, I do not want them. They need to trade this pick. They need to get off the, get off this cap. But if they have to pick, I'm torn between Mitchell Robinson here. The the mystery is intriguing. If you don't know, uh, he's seven foot center. He is a hell of an athlete. But he elected not to play college basketball last year. He was committed to Western Kentucky, and he decided just to sit out and concentrate on the NBA draft. So, I mean, this guy has a talent. He's athletic. He's not your back-to-the-basket kind of guy. He's a lot like Robert Williams, but I would think he's a little bit more skilled than him. But then you also got, uh, if, you, if, you, if we did keep the pick, a plug-and-play guy that comes off the bench uh, with Melvin Frazier. But I'm going to go with the upside of Mitchell Robinson. We don't have an athletic big like that, That a project that we could work on, and I, I like his upside. I think it's worth taking a shot on at number 25. All right, and Philly at 26 was, again, just got sniped. They were looking to get a backup five for Embiid, and that was the guy that they were looking for. With before at number 10, going with Colin Sexton to get a backup point guard for for Ben Simmons, uh, at this point, like I said before, I don't know if they'll keep 10. They, I would almost put money that they were not going to keep 26. But I'll say, you know, just to, to keep the books fresh and, you know, maybe maybe this is one of those things to where you, you bring him in and you keep this guy in. But I don't know. I, 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 as Sean mentioned before, Donnan, Donnan, Donnan Musa. Uh, from Bosnia, the small forward. He's a good wing. Uh, he can score. Um, he'll need to learn how to play in the NBA. Uh, he's got a lot of upside. 6'9", tall, lanky guy. He needs to put on some weight. But this may be me, you know, one of those those stash players that Philly Philly's known for at this point. They really just don't really have that many roster spots. I mean, just depending on how many guys they want to bring in and how many guys they want to, you know, get rid of. They don't have enough room for all these guys because they've stashed all these guys over there. For years now, and you got Forcon, Corkmaz, and you know all those other guys that, that, that they've they've picked and around this spot in in previous drafts that they've stored. So this will just be another one of those guys, and maybe uh, let him let him develop over there and, and um, bring him over um, slowly uh, as they need him. All right, I've got uh, I've actually got twenty eight, twenty nine, or twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty. So I'm going to try to fly through these. The Celtics up at twenty seven. Uh, it wouldn't surprise anybody if they traded this pick. That's that's Danny Ainge. He's great at moving assets and acquiring assets, and maybe even trading up. Who knows? But if they keep this pick, and we're kind of assuming they do, uh, we we assume, but we don't know because of what's happening with Kawhi and all the other guys. 
Marcus Smart may or may not come back. Uh, there's a great shooting guard who's still on the board for them from Boston College, Jerome Robinson. Uh, he can he can shoot the ball. Shot 42% from three. He's not great um, on ISO. He's going to have to be kind of a have someone create the shot for him and let him you know go up and, and shoot, shoot. He's uh, got pretty good uh, wingspan, a standing reach of eight foot two. So he's he's a long, athletic kind of guy, but he can he can flat out shoot the ball. Uh, and so we with Marcus Smart not being there and Jerome still being on the board, we're gonna take Jerome Robinson at 27. And then that brings us to the NBA champion Golden State Warriors picking at 28. Uh, they've talked about wanting to um, get better, especially around the rim with the bigs. Looney is a restricted free agent. Um, I expect that they'll for sure tender him, and we'll see what happens with them. But they also have Zaza, Javel, and David West, all free agents. I think they, they'd want to look to get younger at, at that position, someone in the front court. They were looking, I think Mitchell Robinson would be a perfect guy for them. They can... Just let him develop under them. There's not a great amount of bigs left, but um, it would be perfect for them. Uh, Moritz Wagner from Michigan, six foot eleven, two forty. He can score. He's not going to help them much defensively. You know, he'll be a rim protector, but he's he he moves as well as you would expect for a six eleven, two forty guy. But for the value there, for someone that can absolutely shoot the ball to come in on the second unit, uh, they're going to take. Moritz Wagner out of Michigan. And the Mavericks are pissed that their <laughs> second round pick just got taken. That brings us to the Brooklyn Nets, who got this pick from Toronto um, for taking on Damari Carroll's contract. They, you know, they're the Brooklyn Nets. They finally are, are done with the not having their own picks. They're, they're going to have their, their pick next year. They've got a ton of money tied up, and they've done that to acquire these picks. But Alan Crabb, Mozgov, Damari Carroll, uh, Jeremy Lin, and D'Angelo Russell all making more than $13 million this coming year. So they don't have a ton of cap space to play with, which you wouldn't expect <laughs> um, for a team like that. They have some young pieces. Jared Allen, who, who they drafted last year, was a really good pickup for them. Uh, Lavert has shown that he can play in the league. Uh, they found a diamond in the rough in Dinwiddie. The Pistons had given up on him and kind of left him for dead, and he, he thrived in Brooklyn. You would assume that D'Angelo, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's he's one of the better point guards in the NBA. So they're set there. They're going to play Levert at two, I would imagine. I'm not a huge fan of Hollis Jefferson anymore. I used to like him. I've watched a couple Nets games, and he really doesn't move the needle anymore. Uh, and I don't want to be the one to give up on him, but he's not somebody that I expect them to get a lot out of. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of this pick. I wouldn't be. I'm not a fan of whenever this guy gets picked. But the Nets will take uh, Grayson Allen, just someone else that can score for them. The vaunted guy at Duke that nobody liked, and he he, he stayed four years and won a national championship. He he knows how to play the game. Uh, he'd come in and bring some veteran presence just because of what he experienced at Duke and playing for Coach K. So that's who the Nets will take at th uh, 29. And then lastly, we're back on the clock with the Hawks, their third first-round pick. This one is a weird way how they got this, but it's from the Rockets. Uh, this is the 30th pick in the draft. So far, they've drafted uh, Marvin Bagley and Kevin Huerter to, you know, I think a point guard at some point needs to be 
addressed for them, uh, if, even if you don't know what you're going to get out of Dennis Schroeder. So the best point guard that I have on my board is uh, De'Anthony Milton out of USC. Uh, that's uh, Jalen Brunson, who was, like Dan mentioned, National Player of the Year. Could also be an option here. But uh, I think that they go with uh, De'Anthony Melton out of USC. Uh, six foot three, two, uh, 195, six foot eight wingspan. Uh, he, he, he played both positions, shooting guard and point guard at USC. So they could use him off the ball as well. Uh, I expect that they're not going to keep this pick, but uh, DeAnthony Melton is who I'm going to give for them. So everybody has um, LiAngelo Ball at the top of their their board right now, right? Fuck no. I don't think he's even. No. I looked at the top 100 for Giovanni on ESPN. Right, I don't I remember seeing his name on board. there. He's not going to get drafted. <laughs> Probably because he's not good. Yeah, he's. I don't think he is. We're at in the second round. Do you guys expect Malik to go? Mid. Late. Okay. Mid to late it is. Still some good players left. Like you got, like you said, Brunson. You got uh, Javon Carter from West Virginia. Melvin Frazier. Anthony Simmons. like Malik. Gary Trent Jr. Anthony Simmons. Yeah. I think the draft's just too deep, man. I think the, all those three and D guys push some of some of these guys back. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll wrap up our mock draft 1.0, our one and only draft is in two days. Uh, we're excited to watch it. We'll we'll see what happens. Hopefully, there's some big trades that go down. Uh, that always good to shake things up and to bring some excitement. We'll be back next week. We're gonna start our off season. Uh, I don't know how we're gonna break it up yet, but. Like we said, we have all the the teams that we had tonight will be the same teams we have for the offseason. We're going to do a little simulation using uh, NBA 2K18. Um, we we kind of rigged it up uh, ourselves to to try to make it as real realistic as possible. Um, so we'll be back with that. With that being said, I am Dan. You can follow me at, at Dan underscore McKee09. For Damon at DBailey22, CG at C underscore G 2412 and Sean at SMU 26. You can follow us at, at undrafted pod. We are on Google play, SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, wherever you want to hear us. SoundCloud, follow us. We'll see you all next hey, time. Peace hey out. Memphis, when you want a real GM, call me when you fire Chris Wallace's <laughs> sorry fucking ass. <laughs> we yeah, interview as a team, only as a team. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Rate and subscribe.